0: I titled the sermon today "Spiritual Accounting." I was considering uh, titling it today a uh, "a Profit and Loss Statement" from Paul. My confession, as we begin uh, looking at this spiritual accounting today, is that I didn't actually do very well in my accounting classes uh, at the University of Maryland many years ago. They uh, they they conflicted with basketball. Uh, They they happened to be at the same time. So uh, for those of you who are inclined to basketball, um, it wasn't that I couldn't understand accounting, it's just that basketball was much more attractive to you. So that is a a confession. I urge you not to follow me in exactly that, but at least I can understand uh, a little bit about the purpose of accounting and the principles thereof, even if some of the details are, a bit lost on me I understand that accounting helps us to evaluate what we're doing to see what we treasure what we value what we love what we consider to be important and to take stock to take stock along the way to take stock at the end to say okay how did we do in meeting perhaps a goal that we set forth in terms of making a profit. And as it relates to spiritual accounting, this then applies not only to dollars and cents, but to our lives as a whole. It's necessary periodically for us to step back and to look at the books, if you will, of our lives and assess how are things adding up right now? Uh, Do I like the way they add up? What actually has value or worth me. How am I doing in pursuit of that which I treasure? But our passage today, as we look at it even through this prism, which obviously Paul has in mind here because he uses some of this same language as he is working through the issues that are before us, there's a difficulty about this passage when you look at it closely. If if you just look at it from a distance, I think you can kinda get it and understand it, but when you begin to look at it closely, it can get a little blurry to us, and let me explain to us why. Paul is addressing in this section, and we saw this last week, uh, we spelled it out more particularly last week than I will right now. Paul is addressing a very particular, a very specific danger that existed at that time that entailed both a false teaching and a false practice of what was supposedly the Christian life. Now it wasn't the real thing but it was supposedly how you go about living the Christian life. This error that he's addressing in this section it could be objectively stated and it could be objectively and clearly refuted. In other words Paul could, if you will, detach himself from the particular situation, from the particular people and the error in and of itself, systematize the problem, and say, this is the issue at hand. This is where they have gone wrong. And this, in fact, is the right approach to this. Think of it for a moment in terms of accounting. Think of keeping track. Perhaps of a budget, a budget of a church, your home budget, a budget of business on an Excel document. Perhaps you notice in the midst of your accounting you're reviewing something that you've done a report that encapsulates the last six months and you look at that report and you go these these figures do not seem correct to me. It seems that there is an error somewhere in it and so uh, you might look at your Excel document and you might look and consider the formulas that you've got embedded in the various rows or the various columns to see that perhaps you made an error in creating the formula itself. Perhaps there was a transcription error uh, in a value that you put into a particular row or column or maybe you put it in a wrong row or column. But if you're the financial manager or you're the bookkeeper, you search for that problem And if you are the bookkeeper, you search for that problem frantically, but you look for it and you look for an objective answer to the problem that exists. You try to determine what exactly is the cause of this error? How did we get to this place? And state it as clearly as you can, looking at the numbers that are in front of you. But when Paul is refuting this error, the one that's being addressed here, when Paul is refuting this, he does not in fact detach himself from it. He has an objective, a concrete, a systematic refutation of this error. And it's in here. It's contained in here. But he will express his resolution of the problem through the prism of his own life. He doesn't set it aside somewhere. This is deeply personal for him. It's not business. It's personal for Paul. It's not just theoretical false teaching that might exist out in the world somewhere. It's teaching that he has seen wrecked lives and wrecked the lives of people whom he loves. And you don't separate yourself from that. You engage in it objectively and personally as well when you are confronting it. And I think that in and of itself is a lesson for we uh, rationally predisposed Presbyterians. It's a a lesson for us to say, listen, when, when you're dealing with issues like this, when you're considering things like this, it can't just be for you something objective and outside of yourself. It also has to be something that is deeply personal for you as well. This is essential theology that is being presented to us here. So here's what happens in this passage. Paul realizes that for much of his life, His accounting system had an error in it. It was deeply flawed. There there was a formula error that caused him to totally misunderstand where he was with respect to his standing before God. And that error has been set straight in Jesus. And Paul will not suffer, he will not abide those who would take his now correct ledger, his now correct excel sheet and turn it on its head. He won't suffer them to do that again and that's what's got him so intense and personal in this section. To trace his argument here let's look with Paul as he does firstly at supposed gain in his own life that was actually loss how does one measure the value of one's life how do you assess how you are doing in life how do things add up for you what are the ways comes to your mind if you think of, well, how am I doing with respect to how I'd like to be doing in life in this world? Maybe this isn't true for people in here, but you know it's true for people in our culture. Maybe it's how many Facebook friends you have. Maybe it is how many Twitter followers you have. Maybe the significance is found in how many people retweet what you tweet. Maybe it's in how many people like something you posted and maybe you kind of look at that and you go if only a few more people would like the picture I posted, the way I look, the outfit that I wore at a particular occasion or the particular adventure that I had. If someone would say hey that looks like a really fun time that you had in fill in the place then that would make me feel better about myself. Maybe it's not that. Maybe you think all of that is so much hype and so much nothingness, but for you it's your grades. The rubber meets the road with your grades and how you are doing in school or forget school, how you're doing in work. How have you progressed? How have you climbed up the corporate ladder for others of you? You go, oh no, grades aren't worth anything how I'm doing in sports it's how I'm doing with respect to my physical abilities others look at that and say no sports are now overrated and I know people just like this it's computer games it's what what's your score on a particular computer game and how you feel about yourself is directly correlated with your score that you can get on a game. Maybe it's your pop culture knowledge. To have pop culture knowledge these days is a prize things. Now in Jeremiah we were given three categories through which people view themselves. The three categories that were put there and they're kind of historic they work all the time. The three categories are wisdom and then strength and then riches. And the command is do not let the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. In other words, people like to measure themselves against those particular things that are contained in their lives that they do well and they don't mix them up. So if you are the strong man, you don't use wisdom as the measure of your life. If you are the rich man, you don't use strength as the measure of your life. The way that we tend to measure ourselves is with stuff that we're good at. Does that make sense to you? The, the, the thing that you're going to look at in your own life is that which you do well, and you're going to feel comfortable about yourself based on how you are doing, whether you're doing well in those things or not, and you will look down at other people accordingly. So people base their worth on all sorts of things. Their confidence, their self-confidence in a wide variety of options. And if they get around to it, they base their standing before God on the same sorts of things. They feel good or, or bad about themselves before the Lord based on the same things. Paul says, however, that for believers in Jesus Christ, and this is what he said in verse 3 at the end, we put no confidence in the flesh. Believers in Jesus Christ put no confidence in the flesh in the kind of things that I just made a list of for us. But Paul says for a moment, if you want to play the game, I will indulge you for a moment. I will play this game. Of confidence in the flesh because as it turns out I used to be pretty good at it. If you want to play the game called boast in the flesh and have confidence in the flesh, Paul says I will beat you to a pulp. I used to beat everybody at it and let's join again. You of the, I want to call them the circumcision party, but Paul calls them the mutilators here. If you want to go into this let's go into it a little bit and he proceeds in verses 5 and 6 to put his old cards on the table and I'm not going to go through the list that he has here in 5 and 6 but he puts them down in front of them and as it turns out what he puts down is a straight flush it is a royal straight flush ace of spades going on down in terms of what he has accomplished in his life. It it consists of his pedigree, which is to say who he was and where he came from, and then it consists of his accomplishments, of what he had done. Paul set up for himself smart goals in the Jewish life, okay, and and he, he did all of the things that you need to do When developing a smart goal it was if you're in business you know these right it's specific it's measurable it's agreed on by everybody it's attainable I'm gonna lose it it's results oriented and what's the last one time right it's time sensitive it has a time thing on it Paul says I've got it he's got all of them covered in the smart goals of the Hebrew community, which made you feel better about yourself because you compared yourself with somebody else. Before God, he had done them well. It is amongst Hebrews and amongst the opponents in this case, an unbeatable hand and Paul was proud of it and he was confident in it. He considered it to be gain. He considered these things to be profit. When he considered these things where he was born, when he was circumcised, which tribe he came from, what accomplishments he had done educationally and in his life as a Pharisee. He felt good about it. He felt confident. He felt self-confident about it. He felt, to use the word that he uses, he felt blameless about it. I've done what people say you're supposed to do, and I've done it better than most people do. And Saul, Paul could boast of at least his own assessment of how he's doing, of his own standing before God and before man. But something has happened. Okay, so that's Paul's old system. That's what he used to consider to be gain in his his life. What did you used to be consider to be gain in your life before men and before God? Something has happened that has exposed the vanity of Paul's boasting. Something has happened that has uncovered an accounting error of the gravest nature showing that in fact, the account was in the red and not in the black, and it was wildly overdrawn. I got a letter this week. This has nothing to do with our church, nothing to do with our church, not our personal finances, but of an overdrawn account of somebody kind of saying, help, We overdrew an account. We're in and we're deep in the red. Paul has been writing boasting checks that his fleshly pedigree and performance simply can't cash. His royal straight flush, it turns out, is a house of cards. And that's all it is. It actually has no substance to it. It has no value to it. Something has happened that makes the things that he thought of as precious, comparatively speaking, seem like loss, like rubbish, like dung. And of course, that something is not a something, but a someone. Jesus has come into the world. The Lord of lords, the king of kings, the pearl of great value, the hidden treasure of of surpassing worth and of surpassing value and the poverty of Paul's self-righteousness has been exposed by the riches of Jesus and of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Now, in saying that, in noting the surpassing worth of Jesus and knowing him, as Paul notes it here, We also then have to note that we've appreciated the accounting illustration, but we've also now reached the end of the accounting illustration. We've got to see its limitations because Paul changes the language here in knowing Christ Jesus my Lord to language that is deeply covenantal. It's deeply associated with the Old Testament but it is the language of the lover. What Paul is in effect saying in this passage is, I met somebody. I met somebody and in meeting that person, everything has changed. My perception of my past has changed. What I do in the present has changed. What I hope for in the future and my confidence in hoping for the future has changed. Everything in my life has changed In knowing him, I met Jesus. I came by the grace of God to know Jesus. And he has made and he is making in my life all things new. That's the vitality of this passage here. That's what it is like for Paul to know Jesus. That all of the things that you would list in your mind to say, this is what makes me valuable in the world, All of them seem like nothing, seem like rubbish compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the joy of knowing him. Everything pales in comparison to the value of knowing him. After all, to use Jeremiah's categories, what is your wisdom when the eternal word of God comes into the world what is your strength when the omnipotent second person of the Trinity comes into the world and you have met him what are your riches how could you possibly boast of that to the one who is the creator of all things and to whom belong all things what's your wisdom your strength your riches in comparison to him, everything pales. That's the heart of this passage that is before us today. Now, having said that, we have to get a little bit more specific in this passage. If, if you're comfortable with the call that knowing Jesus and the pursuit of the knowledge of Jesus outweighs everything else, you can take that and run with that for this week. That is the greatest news that is contained in this passage but we have to be a little bit more concrete. We have to at least look at some of the particular issues that Paul is facing here. What is he saying and what is he not saying? For example, the first thing I think that we have to look at is we want to be clear about what he's saying and what he's not saying with respect to his Jewish heritage. Paul is not rejecting Judaism or his own or others' Jewish heritage. In Romans 3, for example, don't turn to it, but in Romans 3, for example, he describes being Jewish, being circumcised, being as a Jewish circumcised person, a possessor of the oracles of God, which is to say the law of God, the word of God, the covenants of God. That is, he says, an advantage not a disadvantage, it is an advantage to be Jewish. Paul is glad to be Jewish and now to be a Jewish follower of Christ. He is also not saying in this passage that the Jews had it wrong regarding salvation and Jesus had it right. That's not what he is saying here. To say that another way, he's not saying that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, salvation and righteousness were one way and now they are in fact something different and I've learned the different way. I've learned the new way that is revealed in the New Covenant. What he is saying is this, is that under the supervision of the law, under the guardianship of the law, and I'm using uh, language here that Paul uses in Galatians to say that. He and many like him took a wrong turn, or to put it back now in the, in, in the uh, accounting illustration, he and many like him, under the tutelage of the law, made a significant accounting error. They set up their formulas incorrectly, And as a result of setting up the formulas incorrectly, they got a big problem now as it relates to how they are doing in standing before God. They imagined in error that their salvation, their standing before God, their righteousness, their salvation in this, and I've talked about this a couple of times, their salvation in all of its aspects, in its wholeness, was a joint project between... God, who had elected them and chosen them, and them, with the emphasis on them and the work that they would do. It was coupled, in other words, God's work was coupled with their pedigree, which is what Paul talks about here, my pedigree and my performance, those things together, added up, yield righteousness by the law, which yields confidence in the flesh, which yields boasting. And that's a formula error of the gravest nature. But that was the mistake that Paul and others had made. In reality, that formula was wrong then. It was wrong in the Old Covenant. And it's wrong now in the new covenant as well. So let's be clear, let's say this clearly in light of what's being said here, circumcision wasn't wrong, it was right to be circumcised, obeying the law wasn't wrong, it was right to obey the law, and certainly being Jewish wasn't wrong. It was good to be part of the chosen people of God, but allowing those things to become confidence in the flesh, that was where the error was. That's where things went awry. It was wrong then, under the old covenant. And now, as Paul is facing this particular error and warning of it, it is difficult. Doubly wrong. It is triply wrong in this day. As these Judaizers, these people who might come in to Philippi, would try to enforce the errant understanding and now the old forms onto Gentile Christians with the effect that Christ himself is marginalized. And that leads to death that leads to death if you get it wrong but now christ has come christ has come in life and suffering and death and resurrection and has exposed the error of the accounting system of the of the formula error that exists in the excel worksheet he's exposed it in a variety of ways first of all he's exposed it in the inadequacy in the poverty of the supposed righteousness that existed. Think of it this way for a moment. Paul was boasting in his pedigree. What is the pedigree of Paul compared to the pedigree of the Son of God, of God's own Son? What is the righteousness of Paul compared to the righteousness of the Son of God now in the flesh? It exposes the the foolishness of trying to boast about one's self-righteousness, but it's more than that as well. It exposes in addition to that, the error of it. What it should show is not only were you insufficient, your righteousness didn't match what it needed to match, but you should see that this, as you defined it, was impossible anyway. There was no way that could have ever taken place. Not only did you not have enough, it was an errant idea to think that you could add things up to be good enough, to be righteous enough, to have a good standing before God. And there's one more thing that it exposes as well now that Jesus has come. Jesus coming in the flesh exposes the provisionality of much of the very law that the Judaizers are now trying to apply, much of the ceremonial law that existed. Of circumcision in this particular case you have to be circumcised again it was provisional it was provisional until the time of Christ and and as was the nationalism which was part of the idea of circumcision and so doing what Jesus has revealed to Paul and to others is the core truth that has always been there that salvation in all of its parts, salvation in its justification, its sanctification, its glorification, the things about which, from which we read in the Westminster Shorter Catechism earlier. They have always and only been the gift of God in Messiah, in Christ Jesus. And they've always and only ever been received by one thing. They've been received by faith not by circumcision, not by the number of people who like you or any other way you might measure yourself, and that's true for everyone. It was true for Noah, and it was true for Abraham, and Moses and David. It was true for Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, It should have seen at that point. The faith is what credits righteousness to the account. That's how one becomes righteous before God. It was true of the Old Testament saints. It's true for Paul, and it's true for these Gentile Philippians as well. Don't let the dogs or your own heart tell you anything different. Because your own heart will run back to that. It will run back to stuff in your own life and try and add it up. Try to create value, to try to create a CV, a portfolio, something you can present before God to feel good about yourself. Instead, what Paul is saying here is the great message. Jesus is all in all. Jesus is an all-sufficient Savior. He is, and let me use the technical language, he is our justification. That's what verse 9 is about and being found in him not having a righteousness of my own but that comes from the law but that that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith that is to say in other words he is our justification he is our sanctification verse 10 what are you doing now paul that's now how you view yourself your past what are you doing now verse 10 that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. What are you doing now, Paul, in Christ? I'm seeking to become like him. Jesus is our sanctification, and Jesus is our glorification. Verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul works it right through. And if you'd like to later, you can lay that on top of Philippians chapter 2 and the work of Christ on the cross. They, they, they mirror right on top of one another to see that Jesus is all in all. So let me, let me go back to the beginning. Now, I know that's deep in the weeds. And I know that some of you are blurry-eyed right now in hearing that. I understand it. And yet it's vital. It's vital for our faith and our joy in the Christian life. He is our joy. He is Jesus, the pearl of great price, the treasure... There is nothing, there is nothing more valuable in this world than knowing him and being known by him. There's no greater treasure that we could possess. And so I ask you secretly in your hearts, I, I'm, I'm sure many of you would just agree with that. You would say that out loud. I know, yes, I know that's true. But secretly in your hearts, how do you measure yourself? How do you think of yourself? How do you add it up? What do you actually treasure for Paul this is vital and so if we have grown dull or listless in our Christian life if we have slipped into the drudgery the boredom of a performance and a pedigree based relationship with God. And God forgive us. God forgive us if we have slipped into that. If we can't with Paul say that you know I love these other things that the good Lord has given to me but if all those were stripped away the one thing I want to know is Jesus is my lord. You could, you could take the rest away. That's the one thing. If we can't say that anymore, God forgive us. Spirit renew us. And Jesus, fill us with the joy of knowing you. Lord Jesus, three things we pray. Most merciful Redeemer, friend, and brother, that we may know you more clearly that we may love you more dearly that we may follow you more nearly day by day in your name we pray amen